Grace, mercy, and peace are yours this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this week has been a very painful reminder of just how much power words can hold. It's something that we as a culture have tried way too hard to forget. We live in a world that laughs at the idea that words were used to create our world, that would trade books and poetry for tweets. Even in the church, hearing how God spoke and stuff happened leaves us not with a sense of wonder, but loss. Because we can't do that. Let there be beer. It's worth a shot. Do other Christians buy the Alexa just out of spite for the divine? Or is it just me? Shuffle my playlist. But even that doesn't always work. It's why I used to think that our words were less than God's, even though he was the one who gave them to us. He spoke, and creation formed itself to his words. Sometimes it feels like the very best that we can do is try and describe a situation. And lately, those descriptions have not been uplifting. It leaves us with a creation story that we are way too quick to gloss over. Might could have been more comfort hundreds of years ago, but now we just can't skip past this thing fast enough. But I don't think that God gave us a creation narrative in order that we would feel embarrassed about in front of evolutionists, or even so that we would think less of words. I think it was the opposite. I think it was so that we would find comfort in just how much power words can have. Because they have way more power than the nursery rhymes we teach our children would indicate. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but it was words that shaped those sticks and stones in the first place. Two of the Ten Commandments are just about words. One in each table of the law. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shall not bear false testimony against your neighbor. That's only about words. Use words, not for evil, but for good. Don't attach God's name to falsehood, but call upon him in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. Don't use words to harm your neighbor's reputation, but defend him. Speak well of him and explain everything in the kindest way. The reason that God gives these commandments is to show us how careful we are with our words to defend ourselves and how reckless we can be with them when we are talking about somebody we disagree with. The law shows us our sin. And words have enough power that God tells you, you can break stuff if you use them for evil. And things can be built and even healed if you use them for good. So stop and breathe. Take a step back and consider what you watch too much of on the news this week. There's something to be said for a group of people who are so afraid of justice that it just can't possibly happen, that instead of seeking it from those who are given to protect and serve them, they have taken to crying for it publicly. There is something to be said for their fear. And there is something to be said for the group of people who bear witness to this and instead of shaping their response out of love for the people who hurt, do so out of fear 
for being called a racist. Look at two mobs crying out identities to each other. Each one says the same thing. You are not righteous. You have not done enough. And they do so recklessly. Each cry out identities unto themselves. We are the virtuous ones. We stand for good. And we can't be more careful in how we phrase it. Look to the creation narrative and see how God uses words. He builds. He brings order. He shapes. He uses these things for the good of someone else. He creates for us. Now look at how we use them. Do we use our words to build or destroy? Do we cry for order or chaos? Do you speak for the good of your neighbor or just for yourself? Words used for good create good. Words used for evil create more of the same. Words used for hate and violence can actually produce these things. And words used for mercy and justice, the same. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think what's most heartbreaking in all of this is how little room there seems to be to be called a sinner for how we talk. If there's no room to be called a sinner when it comes to your words, it points us away from forgiveness for ourselves, but more. It leaves us absolutely convinced our neighbor wouldn't want it either. This is why the world shouts at each other. We would look at anything but forgiveness. If you can only find your neighbor's sin in this sermon, look closer. This is not who you are called to be. You aren't called to be the ones who justify yourselves. You are called to be the ones forgiven by the God who would bleed for you, who would die for you, who would pay your righteousness on that cross for you. True virtue isn't defined or demanded by the mob. It is a gift of God who bestows it, who pays the highest price that you would have it, who gives it freely, not to those who have earned it, not to those who have said the right things or done the right things, but to the sinners who cannot possibly earn it, to you and to me and to all the world. Our God gives righteousness to sinners, to me, to you, to all. He bore that cross up there to win it. He suffered not just the beating and the torture, but the mockery and the slander. He bore the damage that words can do too. He was called nothing so that you would be called sons and daughters of the king. He was hated so that you would be called worthy of love. He was cast out so that you would always be welcomed here. You have no sins left, none, for your God has forgiven them all. Please stop trying to justify yourself when the God who is died for you would take your sins from you why would you dig them back from that cross just to carry them around and make excuses he calls them forgiven he calls them gone and he calls you holy so that you would need not your excuses anymore your sins are forgiven you because yours is the god who sends preachers to all nations uniting them across all divisions and something absolutely wonderful happens when he does it the 11 go up on a mountain with jesus and they worshiped but some doubted, and I absolutely love it, because Jesus still sends them, doubt in any way. He says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. He stands in the face of those who worship him, 
still inwardly fighting doubt that this could possibly ever work. He stands among the sinners, cleansed in his blood, who still worry. He stands right next to me. He sends preachers out to baptize in the name of the triune God, to give a new identity to all nations that would change every word that you would speak. I love the fear of the disciples because I match it with my own. But our Lord says, doubt all you want. This doesn't stand on you. This isn't about you. This is for you. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is who you are now, God's own children. We find our God dwelling among the sinners in this promise. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. He isn't waiting until we finally get our act together. He isn't waiting until one side wins. He's right where he promised to be, at that font, on that altar. There are marks of his presence, the with you always, no matter how lost you get, no matter how scared you are, no matter whether or not you have found the right words to say, yours is the God who will be with you always in these gifts here, now, for you. We gather sinners with differences both seen and unseen, and some of us with doubt too. But here, in the things that he has commanded us to observe, he is with us. He is for us. And he will be so unto that great end of the age when he comes again in glory. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, fix your eyes on Jesus, who is your justification, who is your righteousness, who has been your love even as he has loved you from the last. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who has conquered death itself, who has named you his own children, who he will bear and uphold and carry every step of the way here and to the last great day. In the name of Jesus, amen.